Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Kohler. They design innovative sinks and faucets for people who do their best work in the kitchen. All right, before we start this week's episode, a quick note about the subject matter. We're talking about hangovers, and there will be parts of the show about drinking culture and alcohol use disorder. This could be a sensitive issue for some listeners, so we just want to give you a heads up. All right, on to the show. Hey everyone, it's Kevin Pang. Sorry if you're having trouble hearing me. I'm inside Club Bonk. It's my favorite nightclub, not far from Proof Headquarters. It's all fireballs and vodka Red Bulls, good times. I usually don't drink, but I'm making an exception tonight because, you know, Club Bonk. I just hope tomorrow I won't be greeted with the... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hello. I don't think we met. I'm Kevin. Hi, I'm Hangover Heidi. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Something, something Heidi? I said Hangover Heidi. I ruin people's mornings. That sounds pretty messed up. It happens all the time. I just hang out by the bar and wait for someone to say, Bartender, another Midori Sour. Then I walk up and be like, Hey, girl! And you're still with them the next morning? Yeah, sometimes into the mid-afternoon. Like, we'll go to Walgreens together, come up with some excuse for their boss, um, I'll hold their hair over the commode. Uh, well, it's nice to meet you, uh, and I hope to never see you again. If you need me, I'll be here every night. (gasps) Oh my god, Tyler, is that you? From America's Test Kitchen, a very special episode of Proof. This week, the unpleasant and fascinating world of hangovers. How do they happen? How do we get rid of them? And why is my mouth so dry? It's the Proof Guide to Hangovers. After this word from our sponsors. Hey there, Proof listeners. It's Kevin here. When I'm buying stuff, I love to find a quality product that's zero waste. That's why I was happy to connect with Sasha Danjal, the founder of Safi Sana. Safi has a whole zero waste line of delicious artisanal oils and vinegars that come in upcycled packaging and are trusted by Michelin star and James Beard award winning chefs around the country. We partner with the very same chefs. We collect used wine bottles from them. We bring them back to our facility and we give them new life as sake oil and vinegar bottles for our zero waste line. As a mother of two and also as a business owner, I really feel that it's our responsibility as companies to be doing the heavy lifting to make it easier for consumers to be more sustainable. Right now, Proof listeners will get 10% off their order when they go to safisana.com slash proof. That's S-A-F-F-I-S-A-A-N-A dot com slash proof. Grab some Arbequina olive oil or a Michelin star tasting kit. Again, that's safisana.com slash proof. Safisana, true taste, zero waste. Welcome back to the Proof Guide to Hangovers. Here's your host, the living embodiment of a Denny's Grand Slam breakfast, Kevin Pang. Hangovers. 
Let's begin our deep dive with the word itself. Say it with me. Hangover. 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 <sighs> Hangovers. The first time the word hangover was recorded in the English language, according to Merriam-Webster, was 1894. This was the same year the words motorcycle and cafeteria and sex act first appeared in print. The original definition of hangover was about something that survived, something that remains from what is past. For example, a secretary of state who served for one president but continues serving for the next administration is considered a hangover. One of the earliest recorded usages of hangover with an alcoholic connotation? December 6, 1895, the Stevens Point Daily Journal in central Wisconsin. The headline, A confirmed drunkard, a pet squirrel, a slave to king alcohol. Quote, The stimulating effect was delightful as he jumped about his cage. He suffered all the depressing effects of a hangover. Hangovers today, in American English, have to do with that unpleasant feeling you experience after a heavy night of alcoholic consumption. In 2010, a group of researchers founded the Alcohol Hangover Research Group, dedicated to its scientific study. The group defines a hangover as the combination of mental and physical symptoms experienced the day after a single episode of heavy drinking starting when blood alcohol concentration approaches zero. In recent years, that definition has been refined. In particular, they've reconsidered the terms heavy drinking. Some people experience hangovers at lower levels of alcohol consumption and the day after. Some experience symptoms that same day. The experience of a hangover is subjective, not universal. Surprisingly, not as many people as you think may have experienced a hangover. In 2018, the World Health Organization found only 18.2% of the world had consumed enough alcohol to induce a hangover. Among those who haven't experienced hangovers, me. I, Kevin Pang, do not drink. When I've tried, I turn beet red and very rashy. I have what's known as the Asian flush. About 8% of the global population, including people of Asian descent, have trouble metabolizing alcohol. It takes me like half a can of Bud Light to get drunk. It is not pleasant. I'm fairly certain I've never experienced a hangover in my life. What little I know is based on its depiction in popular culture. So that's my goal with today's episode. What exactly is a hangover? Are businesses profiting from it? And are hangover cures a pile of baloney? To begin, I asked a number of people, including listeners of this podcast, to describe what a hangover feels like to them. It's like a jackhammer to the base of the skull. To me, a hangover is a combination of irrepressible headache and nausea. If drinking is borrowing happiness from tomorrow, then a hangover feels like paying that back with a lot of interest. So what's actually happening in the brain when you experience a hangover? 
I spoke to Dr. Jing Liang. She's a professor at the University of Southern California's School of Pharmacy. She's considered a pioneer in the research field of alcohol use disorder. Dr. Liang told me that whenever you drink, 20% of the alcohol you consume goes into the bloodstream. It courses throughout your body, including into your brain. The rest of the alcohol goes into your stomach, and it goes to your liver, where it acts like a bouncer. It lets in what's good for the body. And the bad stuff? My good hombre, remember us? No. Doug and Steve Butami? Now remember, you can't come in. Then, the liver creates an enzyme that essentially erases the alcohol. Incidentally, this enzyme is the one my body has trouble creating, hence the so-called Asian flush. Which is why I drink one mojito and my face turns into a clown's nose. Here's Dr. Liang talking about alcohol entering your brain. After uh, alcohol, the people will feel very high and talkative. When alcohol enters your bloodstream, it changes the level of chemical messengers in your brain that send signals to the rest of your body. For instance, this high that Dr. Liang describes is caused by what are called excitatory neurotransmitters. Like their name suggests, excitatory neurotransmitters, in this case glutamate, increase brain activity and energy levels. When you drink alcohol, glutamate is telling your body to have a little fun, let loose. But then... After you feel very high, gradually, you feel wordless or you start feeling asleep or tired. This is because inhibitory neurotransmitters, or GABA in this instance, are now kicking in. GABA tries to reduce energy levels and calm or slow everything down after all that fun. They try to get a balance for your brain. But the more you drink, the more GABA tries to counteract that high from the glutamate. It's like, slow down man, chill. When your speech starts to slur or your movement starts to slow down, that's the GABA. This tumultuous dance-off between glutamate and GABA can result in, well, something that makes you feel terrible. Yeah, exactly. When the alcohol attack your brain and then hurt your inhibitory neural system, they don't work well. Then you cannot sleep. That is how after you have alcohol drinking, you feel hangover. On top of that, Dr. Liang tells me that drinking alcohol makes your body expel more liquid than normal, which is why when you drink, you tend to pee a lot. This is what causes dehydration. And that's also part of why you feel the way you do the next day. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Our hormonal balance gets out of whack when we experience a hangover, and that can affect our psychological state. It gives you that sense of, bleh. And what's worse? Dr. Liang says it takes up to two weeks for the brain's inhibitory neural system to recover. Two weeks for your brain to return to its pre-hungover normal. Hangovers are just like any other type of pain. 
There are no biomarkers. It's based on subjective, self-reported symptoms. So you can't test for it. You just know when you're hungover. This is why researchers use numeric scales to assess the severity of hangovers. Think of your nurse asking, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much pain do you feel? Currently, there are three scales used in assessing hangovers. The Hangover Symptom Scale, Acute Hangover Scale, and the Alcohol Hangover Severity Scale. All three scales work roughly the same way. You're asked to score yourself on a number of factors, including... Are you extremely thirsty? Do you have trouble concentrating? Are you feeling sensitive to light and sound? Is your heart pounding? Do you have stomach pains? Sweating more than usual? Loss of appetite? Had trouble sleeping? Apathy? Concentration problems? Shivering? Nauseous? Vomiting? Fatigue? Clumsiness? Dizziness? Confusion? Between these scales, the four traits that show the highest likelihood of a hangover, tiredness, thirst, trouble concentrating, and headaches. We do need to say this. Substance and alcohol use disorder are no joke. We don't want you to think we're poking fun at it. If you or someone you know is drinking to the point of frequently experiencing hangovers, that could be a sign of a more serious problem. The U.S. government has a 24-7 hotline you can call if you need treatment referrals. That's 1-800-662-4357. When we're talking about hangovers, it's through the lens of science, business, and how popular culture views them. I mean, Hollywood did name an entire trilogy after this very topic. I looked everywhere. Gym, casino, front desk, nobody's seen Doug. He's not here. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. After the hard rock got blacked out, it was like emptiness. (laughs) In America, we view hangovers almost in jest. It's something we commiserate and laugh about. But hangovers have very real-world implications. In 2006, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention conducted a study. It found that excessive alcohol consumption in the U.S. cost $223.5 billion, of which nearly $161 billion was lost in workplace productivity. Hangovers are clearly a problem. And whenever a problem exists, you can be sure that there are people looking to monetize the solution. A few days ago, I visited my local pharmacy to see what was out there. I'm trying to find um, things for curing hangovers. This is especially curing hangover. I know dehydration is uh, like uh, those things. The store clerk takes me down an aisle. There's a lot to choose from. What's missing from the label is the word hangover. Very few products here promise to cure your hangover. What's there, however, are brand names suggesting they'll help you recover from a crazy night out. Names like SOS, Cure, Buoy, Liquid IV. Unless you've gone through the FDA approval process, an unregulated dietary supplement can't explicitly market their products as hangover cures. The keyword here is explicit. Nothing's stopping these products from saying, helps rehydrate after a night of fun. In July 2020, the FDA sent warning letters to seven companies. They were accused of, quote, illegally selling unapproved products labeled as dietary supplements that claim to cure, 
treat, mitigate, or prevent hangovers in violation of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. But this hasn't stopped the consumer market for hangover cures. If not explicitly, then for sure, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. There's a berry-flavored drink called Party Aid Weekend Recovery. It contains electrolytes, vitamin B, and milk thistle. Here's the marketing copy on the website. Best enjoyed ice cold before, during, or after a night of fun. Now you can party smarter. Another product from a company called Flyby is a capsule with chlorophyll, vitamin B, and C. The label reads, post-party relief, to quote, help ease your day after a big night out on the town. In all, products suggesting their hangover cures are a $1.5 billion market. For those approved by the FDA, companies are unabashed about targeting hungover people. Alka-Seltzer, which is a regulated pain reliever, brought in rapper T-Pain recently as the spokesperson for its newly formulated hangover relief tablets. He even remixed their famous Plop Plop Fizz Fizz jingle. And do you remember Pedialyte? The orange, pink, or blue liquid you drank as a kid after throwing up? Ever since Pedialyte was introduced in the 1960s, it's been marketed to children. Pedialyte, pediatrician. They contain the Latinized Greek root word pedo, meaning child. But in 2015, Pedialyte began targeting a new consumer market, hungover adults. We're joined now by Kate Bernat, who covers the beer industry and is a contributor to America's Test Kitchen. So, Kate, you must have encountered Pedialyte in your line of work. Both personally and professionally, yes. I think I first realized how directly Pedialyte was going after the hangover market when I saw an Instagram ad for Pedialyte ice pops with the hashtag, not just for babies. So obviously it's gone beyond kids with fevers. From a marketing perspective, this is a genius move. Yeah, Vox published a story about this a few years ago under the headline, How Pedialyte Got Pedialit. In 2015, Pedialyte announced it would begin targeting adults who would partake in, quote, occasional alcohol consumption. They were sending brand ambassadors to music festivals and sporting events. They had their social media team create an Instagram account. And for every one picture they post of a child, there are 10 others of a gorgeous millennial finishing a 5K or dancing at Coachella. It reminds me of what Armin Hammer did. Decades ago, their sales of baking soda began declining. So what they did was shift their marketing away from being just a baking product and towards also being a kitchen deodorizer. Same product, only now they're nudging you to buy a brand new box of baking soda every 30 days. Pedialyte's not the only company that discovered a lucrative new market. Just last year, one of its competitors, called Revitalite, partnered with Barstool Sports. That's the sports media network that's massively popular with, shall we say, college bros. That's Kate Bernat, beverage reporter and proof contributor. After the break, hangovers around the world. Did you know the Finnish word for hangover is crapula? Well, it is. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
You deserve a kitchen that works for you. Kohler sinks come in varying depths and basins so that you get your perfect fit. Their workstation sinks provide accessories to support all of your washing, rinsing, and storage needs. All of Kohler sinks and faucets are designed to make your kitchen look its best while still getting your cooking goals accomplished. And what a relief that is, especially during the holidays. Visit Kohler.com to learn more. Hey friends, it's Kevin Pang. In past seasons of Proof Ads, we've interviewed some of the engineers that make OXO's amazing kitchen tools. But did you know that OXO also makes cookware? Their new carbon steel and stainless steel offerings mean there's a perfect pan for every dish in your repertoire. AT case picks for nonstick pans just got upgraded. The OXO Nonstick Pro is now also available in ceramic. And their tri-ply stainless steel pots and pans have amazing heat conductivity, which is great for fast and even cooking. They're also stain resistant, which keeps them looking new. Plus, they're oven safe, which is perfect when I'm making my favorite roast chicken. Find your tools at OXO.com. Right now, OXO is offering a special discount for proof listeners. Just use the code ATK15 for 15% off on OXO.com. That's OXO.com. OXO, better guaranteed. Imagine this. You've been asked to host a few friends last minute to reconnect and just hang out. Of course, you say yes because that's just who you are. But immediately after committing to hosting, you remember, there needs to be something to eat. Enter Veroni's authentic Italian charcuterie. Veroni uses high-quality ingredients and slow production processes to illuminate flavors whenever you take a bite of their meats. The easy-to-open trays really come in handy when you're in a rush. And they even provide pre-made cheese and charcuterie boards with different pairing variations so you can mix and match as much as you please. So don't sweat your next get-together. Veroni is here to help you save the day. For more information on the Veroni family's recipes, artisanal techniques, and meats, visit Veroni.com. That's V-E-R-O-N-I.com. And now, back to the proof guide to hangovers. Siri, how do you say hangover in French? Cool du bois. It means mouth of wood. As in, how dry your mouth gets when you're hungover. Okay, one more, Siri. What's hangover in Swedish? Hangover in Swedish is box smella. It means a whack in the ass. You heard me right. A hangover in Swedish is a whack in the ass. Can we all agree that hangovers aren't a good thing? It might seem obvious, but in some cultures, like here in the U.S., Hangovers can be this weird badge of honor. Depending on where you live in the world, this might not be the case. So, let's take a trip around the globe. First up, Norway. In Norway, wine, liquor, and strong beer are only sold at government-run stores. They're also taxed quite heavily. These government policies are really in place to dissuade Norwegians from drinking too much. You're not supposed to get, let's, let's call it shit-faced. That's Lars Marius Garshall. 
He's a Norwegian author and researcher on European farmhouse brewing. You're not supposed to really get, you know, badly drunk and misbehave. Lars, how do Norwegians say hungover? The Norwegian word for a hangover is fyllesyke. Uh, it really means drunk sickness. The more hungover you get, the more you drank, meaning this is something you brought on yourself, right? And as long as only you suffer from it, it's not a big deal. It's the moment when it starts to affect others, like, you know, you can't do your job properly. Then people have less understanding for it. I understand there's another Norwegian word, and I hope I'm saying this right, fila angst. It's the combination of fila, or excessive drunkenness, and angst, as in angst, you know, anxiety, dread. Loosely translated, it's the fear you might have done or said something stupid while you were drunk. This is something that people do joke about a bit, that you get absurdly sensitive and... This combined with, you know, disconnected memories of things that you did last night, but you don't remember all of it, it's not a great feeling necessarily. Especially the sense of perhaps everybody else remembering this very clearly. And and you remember some bits that like, ooh, this maybe wasn't good. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. In Japan, like in Norway, there's a sense of shame associated with hangovers. The super old Japanese word for hangover is shuksui, which translates into something like lodge-bound with drunkenness. That's my producer, Yumi Araki, managing producer of this very podcast. Yumi grew up in Japan. It has this air of remorsefulness or this tone of like, oh, you must confine this drunkard to their room so they can't get into any more trouble. But the modern-day word for hangover is futsukayoi, which means second-day drunkenness. And to me, what that means is kind of, well, you know, you're drunk anyway. You might as well just, like, drink again just to get through it. (laughs) Drinking and going out to drink after work uh, with your bosses and such is is built into the culture. And so, (laughs) in a way, it's sort of like building up for this marathon experience, right? You come in in the morning, kind of hungover, you get through the day, and, you know, once 6, 7 p.m. hits, it's out to the izakaya, you know, to go get sake, beer, whatever. You do it all over again. It's the cycle of life. Of course, deeper societal norms can color the acceptance of vices. Take Argentina, a Catholic country. The religion is part of the equation. And that is very important. I'm speaking to Martin Bowen, who's based in Buenos Aires and considered the authority on the South American beer scene. The society here always wants to perceive someone polite, a good person, not to get in trouble. When I asked Martin what the word hangover was in Spanish, he said... Resaca is the right word. means that after you get drunk... You can think in a good way. Your head is not in the right place. (laughs) Resaca has a dual meaning. It also means backwash, an outgoing wave. Kind of poetic, isn't it? Our last stop, Australia, which, like the U.S., has an enthusiastic drinking culture. I turn to my ATK colleague, Eden Faithful, who grew up in Sydney. 
You might remember Eden from last season and her story about dumpster diving. There's certainly no shame surrounding the idea of having a hangover in Australia. We show up to our friends the next day. We talk about our misadventures from the night. We talk about how we're feeling. And you're met with a pat on the back, a little bit of laughter. It's very much a badge of honor. I gotta say, you Aussies have the best sayings. You were telling me earlier about this word to describe how it feels to be hungover. So uh, if your friend comes up to you and says, oh, mate, you know, I'm feeling a little bit dusty, that means that your friend has a hangover. And I just think it's a beautiful way. You know, you have to kind of understand the feeling really rather than the word dusty. You've got a headache, your throat's scratchy, you're not feeling very well, you have very little memory of the night before. Dusty is a great encapsulation of that feeling. And so I think that really says everything that you need to know about Australians' approach to hangover. Here in America, hangover cures are associated with food. Typically, this involves something hearty and greasy, like a giant plate of breakfast. Sausage, bacon, eggs, hash browns, you know, to let the oil soak up the toxins. But there's little evidence suggesting food can eliminate hangovers. If there's a benefit, it's psychological. The comfort of scarfing down a pile of pancakes. This is the placebo effect in action. Beyond the supposed hangover cures you might find on store shelves, there are the anecdotal ones. The ones you find Googling instant hangover remedy. So, let's spend a few minutes exploring the wonderfully weird world of hangover quackery in a segment we're calling... Proof's Most Questionable Hangover Cures. Sponsored by Denver Omelettes. If six pounds of eggs and cheese won't rid your pounding headaches, nothing will. For the record, we at America's Test Kitchen do not endorse these hangover remedies. Now is not a good time to be sued for malfeasance. Counting down from number three, it's pickle juice. All right, the theory goes pickle juice, at least the ones that are naturally fermented, contain probiotics, which contributes to gut health. Think dill-flavored kombucha. Pickle juice also contains sodium, which is an electrolyte, and that helps maintain fluid balance in your body. This is what goes out of whack when you get dehydrated. Okay, but here's the thing. Pickle juice contains a lot of sodium. Sure, it could replace lost electrolytes, but there are far better tasting, less briny ways of replacing your electrolytes like a big gulp of Pedialyte. Number two on our list of questionable hangover cures, eggs. Do a cursory search online and you'll find state egg councils and farmers touting the power of eggs to cure hangovers. Okay, remember us mentioning earlier about the liver as your body's bouncer, how it lets in the good stuff and kicks out the bad? Well, Alcohol is bad for the body, so the liver metabolizes it into something called acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde is a compound that makes your skin flush. It increases your heart rate. It dries your mouth and causes nausea. It's also listed as a group 1 carcinogen. Now, eggs contain something called cysteine, which is an amino acid that helps neutralize acetaldehyde in your body. 
So eggs equal good for hangovers, right? Here's the problem with that argument. Hangovers occur after the fact, the next morning. By then, most of the alcohol is already gone from your bloodstream. So if you really want to neutralize acetaldehyde, you should be eating a carton of eggs while you're out drinking. The other argument from the egg lobby is it contains vitamin B, which helps metabolize alcohol. Again, by the time you're eating eggs the next morning, there's not much alcohol left in your bloodstream to metabolize, and one egg doesn't contain high enough vitamin B to make a big difference anyway. Unless it's a Denver omelet. If it doesn't have at least 47 eggs, it's not a Denver omelet. All right, thank you. Back to our list. Coming in at number one of Proof's most questionable hangover cure, Hair of the Dog. What's Hair of the Dog? It comes from the phrase, the hair of the dog that bit you. There's a Scottish folk remedy that says if you're bitten by a rabid dog, apply the fur of the dog that bit you on the wound. Okay. In drinking parlance, hair of the dog suggests that when you're hungover, you drink more alcohol. I guess to drown out the earlier alcohol? Listen, if anything, you're kicking the hangover can down the road, prolonging the torture. In truth, you're making things way worse. Don't believe me? Let's ask our friend Dr. Leong from the University of Southern California. So doctor, is drinking more alcohol when you're already hungover a good solution or is that just nonsense? For me, uh, that is a nonsense. Bottom line, if you're nursing a hangover at brunch with a Bloody Mary and a pickle juice chaser, it's not a smart idea. Got it? Here's what we've learned about hangovers. When you drink too much alcohol, your body gets rid of more liquid than it's taken in. You lose electrolytes. You become dehydrated. You don't sleep as well. All those things contribute to a hangover. There's no one symptom, but it usually includes headaches, nausea, fatigue. There's a lot of products out there marketed to those suffering from hangovers. Many help by rehydrating your body. Many are unregulated. That said, there is advancement in the science of hangover cures. In 2020, Dr. Liang authored a study in the medical journal Alcoholism, Clinical and Experimental Research. She and her team discovered that dihydromyrocetin, a flavonoid extracted from the Japanese raisin tree, is shown to help the liver more effectively metabolize alcohol. Not only could dihydromyrocetin, or DHM, help protect the liver, it might also prevent hangovers. More work needs to be done for DHM to be mass-marketed, and that might be years down the road. For now, we're left with the, shall we say, less peer-reviewed hangover treatments. Grand Slam breakfast, Gatorade, lying on the couch, Tylenol. They might ease symptoms, like alleviate dehydration, or the benefits are psychological, because a greasy breakfast hits the spot. This is the truth about hangovers. Right now, there is no magic solution. 
no pill you can take to get rid of it. It's like a canker sore or a mosquito bite. Nothing will cure it except time. So, just be one with this fact. Accept that a hangover just is. Go with the flow. This is suffering. You must endure. You must endure. The only way out is through. Learn from your mistakes. Take it easy next time you head out to Club Bunk. There is no future, no past, only the now. And right now is a raging mother of a headache. Bottle that feeling, that jackhammer to the base of your skull. Treat it not as punishment, but repentance. Remember, the passage of time heals all. And if it doesn't, treat yourself to the incomparable deliciousness of a Denver omelet. Savory ham, bell peppers, four cheeses, 37 eggs. Yes, there's more. It's okay, fantastic. It. Mind-blowingly tasty. You're not going to believe it. It's a party on your tongue. That's enough it's now. It's not just a Denver omelet. It's really every city in Colorado and parts of we Utah We really omelet. need to get going. Oh! Oh, I wish I was you trying it for the okay, first time. Okay, okay, just roll the end credits. Thank you. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer Caitlin Kelleher. I'm Terrence Johnson, and I'm the associate producer. I'm Alex Curran Cartarelli, and I'm also an associate producer. I'm Vanessa Bartlett, and I'm the production intern. I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Poynton, Chester Gwazda, and Anya Gzeshik of Ultraviolet Audio. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds composer theme music, additional music by Cal Forster and Jordan Pearson. Ken Margolis. Is our director of post-production, and our director of production is... Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by... Angela Yang. This episode was co-produced by... Kate Bernat. Our announcer is the legendary Seattle radio and TV personality... Pat Cashman. Pat, by the way, was the announcer for my favorite show growing up as a kid, Bill Nye the Science Guy. How about that? Do check out Pat's delightful show. It's called Peculiar Podcast. Special thanks also to Jamie Rokas at the Stevens Point Journal and all the brave anonymous folks who describe what hangovers feel like. You know who you are. Jack Bishop is the Chief Creative Officer of America's Test Kitchen and David Nussbaum is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors, Kohler, Oxo, Safisana, Sengoku, and Veroni. 
Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen. Before we go, just one more thing. Did you know you can help develop recipes for America's Test Kitchen? It's true. We have nearly 45,000 home testers who try out and give us feedback on new ATK recipes before they're published. And this isn't just for adults. Young chefs can take part in developing recipes for our ATK Kids program. Want to be part of the ATK family? Go to americastestkitchen.com slash recipe underscore testing. Once again, that's americastestkitchen.com slash recipe underscore testing to sign up.